Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All in one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Orthorexia would be like really either fear of how food's going to make me feel or it is just like fear of falling off of whatever my diet plan is or what my container is of the Mm -hmm. foods that I eat. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily related to fear of getting fat or like physically on the outside, like what I look like. Mm -hmm. It can be related to control or Mm -hmm. lack thereof and seeking that through food. Food is always a metaphor. I would say 90 percent of the time at least (laughs) food is a metaphor the way we eat and what we decide to eat Mm -hmm. of like how we feel inside too and so if I'm feeling out of control in other areas of my life or I have in the past I may turn to like say a ketogenic diet list and like it's super easy and helps me feel dialed in Mm -hmm. and if I stray from that then I may get anxiety Mm -hmm. that occurs you're listening to she with Jordan Lee Dooley a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Lauren, welcome to She. Hey, Jordan, I'm so excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you. I am really looking forward to chatting about this topic because I think it's such a necessary conversation in the uh, just wellness space in general and then in the healthy living kind of pursuit of wellness area of life. And so I really think this is going to be super valuable. But but before we dig in, I would love if you can share with those who aren't familiar with you and your work, uh, what you do and how you went from being a TV news journalist to a a nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner. Yeah, great question. It seems like a very roundabout uh, (laughs) career path right there. I sometimes call myself a health detective and just really big on helping primarily women. I do work with guys, but really solve unsolved health problems Hmm. and getting to the root cause so they can really just optimize their potential. And a lot of that is inspired by my own journey. So that's really how I went from being a TV news journalist. I really Wanted to actually be the next Katie Couric that mm. was on the Today Show. She was like kind of my uh, childhood idol. And I was working in the newsroom um, just as a reporter and a producer for about four years. And I um, was at, the, at that same time very sick. And mm. I had been sick for a very long time with chronic eating disorders. So anorexia, orthorexia primarily at that time. And really just uh, holding it together by a thread. and. I remember I, my parents had made me actually move home during my senior year of college 
to finish that year because I was not doing well again. And I'd been in and out of, out of treatment for many years. But it was really while I was working in the newsroom in Little Rock, Arkansas, at the NBC affiliate there, that I just decided I want out of here, out of this town. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You go to grad school. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> decided to go back to school. And I was um, had no idea what I would still be doing with that, but went to get my doctorate in occupational therapy in Nashville. And it was just my ticket out and I could afford it like on student loans. Mm-hmm. And my parents like couldn't hold me back. And it was really during that time where my eating disorder came to a head. And mm. I had been, uh, I was working out eight hours a day at that time and subsisting on very, very little. And mm. really, it was a full-time job, my eating disorder. And mm. It took me away from school. So um, really remember the day before my second year of grad school I was supposed to start, stepping on the scale and seeing a number I had not seen since I was a 10-year-old girl when my eating disorder had started. And for the first time being really scared. There was no doctor telling me what to do. There were not, my, my parents weren't there. And it really explained why I'd been experiencing a lot of heart issues like chest pains and um, a lot of gut issues every time I would eat something and stress fractures on my feet, running at 10 miles an hour on treadmills still. And so I remember praying on my way to the gym that morning, God, help me make a change today out loud. And to me, that meant help me work out uh, maybe 30 minutes less on my Stairmaster, mm. or eat a tablespoon of almond butter more. And when I pulled up to the YMCA, um, not one, but nine other individuals walked up. And these were nine other gym goers who did not really know me from Adam, mm-hmm. and, but they stepped in and spoke up and said they wanted to help. And mm. I was like, God, this is not what I prayed for, mm. <laughs> but maybe it is. And something in me really released. Um, and within 48 hours, I found myself in the ICU with a heart rate in the near 20s and doctors saying I may not make it. Wow. And it was really in that moment that something finally clicked. And for me, it was just like, you know, the answer isn't out there. It's in here. Mm-hmm. And it really made me become very curious as to like, you know, why I continued to down this path for one And then also from a health perspective to really begin to heal my body holistically, Mm -hmm. because I had not only had the eating disorder alone, but as I I write about and I work a lot with people, disordered eating or just funky relationships with food in general Mm -hmm. can do not so great things for our body Mm -hmm. over time. So metabolically, hormonally, gut-wise for sure. Mm -hmm. And so it was really through that catalyst moment that I decided, I don't know what life is going to look like on the other side of this. But I know I want something different. And mm-hmm. my classic, the eating disorder treatment model at the time, and I think still to date very much, is Pop-Tarts Pizza Prozac. And I'd been, mm-hmm. I lived four years in patient and hospitals and treatment centers, kind of going through the other extremes of like treatment. Mm-hmm. And so uh, equally, I would say both dieting and treatment destroyed my gut microbiome, which mm-hmm. is connected to everything. Mm-hmm. And so over in the aftermath of that experience and going back to treatment, typical treatment for another year, set out on this mission and track to find something different. And it's really then that I started to become a healer of my own body and of like using functional medicine principles and inadvertently mm-hmm. to, to heal from 10 different conditions I was diagnosed with in the wow. aftermath of the eating disorder. So things like mass activation syndrome, Lyme disease, five autoimmune diseases, the hypothyroidism, mold illness, like it's just really my my body and my gut microbiome again have been wrecked, which is connected to a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of spearheaded me really down that, that rabbit hole of functional medicine, as well as nutrition. And 
really uh, taking, I say, and now I'm healed to heal others really through that journey. And I guess the catalyst of that whole journey overall, like was really finding and figuring out uh, a lot about the gut brain connection as well Mm -hmm. and how stress in our lives or dis-ease in our lives can result as disease in the body. And uh, it's really when I tapped that into that, that my health took off from even all those conditions as Mm -hmm. well. Well, thank you so much for sharing that so vulnerably. And I know that that is such a powerful part of your story. And I love what you said, like that you healed and now can help others heal because isn't that like the purpose of our pain in so many ways, right? Mm -hmm. To like, once we overcome it, to be able to take what we've learned and and help others, but also, yeah, I I don't know. There's just so much to that, that I feel like I could unpack, but I, I think it leads me to my next question because I wanted to ask about your book title, which as you've shared your story, makes a lot more sense to me. I mean, it made a lot of sense to begin with, but it right. just even backs it up so much. So your book is a book that you wrote is called eating, eating healthy is killing you. And I think that that's a really interesting concept. So before we start digging into the the specifics of that, can you share why you chose that for a title and what you mean by that? Yeah, great question. Well, I mean, I just think it's no secret that we live in a world that like it's there's no one consensus on what mm-hmm. the perfect diet is. And if anything, all the the noise out there is just leaves people I think more confused and more clear. Mm-hmm. And I think like it it is near and dear to my heart because I literally tried every diet under the sun and was a trendsetter for most of the things that we've even seen mm-hmm. in the like current, like most recent, especially with the like no carb movement mm-hmm. or no meat movement or no, like fat was at one time. Now fat is cool again. But yeah, so I think like literally almost dying really is kind of like what inspired that title as well. Uh, and to just kind of put a like pun and a spin on it, because there is so much dogma out there. And mm-hmm. I don't think like a lot of it is meant harm either. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are thinking they like have found the panacea mm-hmm. for feeling good or something that has helped them. And I do see a lot of like, not even over just eating disorders, we would say, but it's like healthy eating culture or like mm-hmm. I, that word diet, I think is even 1990s. Like I don't, talk a lot with that word, but it's like, you know, I'm eating healthy or clean eating lifestyle. And yet I see a lot of like disordered eating or just perhaps like funky relationships with food that can happen both from the diet or then they're in the aftermath of the diet, where I guess another reflection I've also had is just some of my like quote unquote sickest patients or those that have the most health issues are those that are eating the most clean, Mm -hmm. pristine, maybe eating five to 10 foods because there's such an elimination. Right. Yeah, the severe restriction that can happen exactly. in the name of health. Yeah, exactly. And I work with all conditions, not just eating disorders now. And mm-hmm. I'd say like, I, that is a very just uh, similar theme I see mm-hmm. happening a lot of times where people go onto a diet with good intention. Mm-hmm. And then there's not really the aftermath of that diet. It's either, yeah, like I'm stuck now in mm-hmm. this because- I now I only eat four things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, there is a whole mindset component to it as well. It's like, we kind of earn our gold star in our mind in some, in some ways by like, you know, restricting certain things. Like I like personally felt very like proud of myself when I could avoid things that the average human did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, or I got my gold stars because I went like 16 hours without eating today. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the internet minute fasting thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of like the background or backstory of like why I chose that. And really to just like demystify that. I, I think really what defines health from a food perspective 
is like the more abundance we can eat in the diet, like the more actually metabolically flexible we're mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. And like, I, th- I think there's just not really an abundance mindset much with food right now. Yeah, so true. One thing I'm wondering about, and I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts on this. So I want to ask, do you feel and have you seen that there's a lot of confusion as to what's considered healthy? And also in that same on that same topic, have you noticed and what are your thoughts on a lot of the foods that are sold as like health foods because they're marketed as gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever is like the trendy health thing for the year that actually yeah. aren't that biologically beneficial? Correct. Yeah. Well, it's interesting on that note. It's like humans in the food industry knows this too, both healthy food industry and like just processed food industry is like humans like foods that are like palatable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you think like uh, that touch into the taste buds of whether it's sweet or salty or crunchy. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these foods that are sold in shelves like are going to mimic maybe like they're a processed food version, a healthier, cleaner processed food version, but like still kind of negating some of the fundamentals such as like protein, fat, fiber, just being mm-hmm. generally like a balanced meal in that perspective. Mm-hmm. So we can fall into the trap of like, you know, well, it's a uh, coconut flour based tortilla chip that I'm eating, like, and just snacking mm-hmm. a lot on those things and, or just kind of still being devoid of actually nutrients. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like statistically about 70% of the food that most people consume is a processed food mm-hmm. or an ultra processed food. So that would be processed food. Then there's the ultra processed like Doritos, mm-hmm. <laughs> et cetera, uh, version. So just uh, the devoidance of uh, nutrients there. And then back to just the conflict or the confusion, confusion. on, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what is healthy? It's just like, what camp are you in? And it, I think it's interesting because there's like a camp for every macronutrient that's like basically cut out. So mm-hmm. like, one is no meat, one is like, I guess, no fat or all fat, like mm-hmm. you want to just think keto uh, or low fat. And then there's the carnivore movement, which is also gaining a lot of popularity. And I think what people kind of fail to rec- or remember or realize is like that of which once once productive can then become counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So if we go on any one of these diets and we're coming from like zero to 60, like say I was eating a ultra processed food diet and I do decide to go on a, like a full plant-based diet... I am probably going to feel way better. Mm-hmm. Or like if I just anytime we're going to change anything and we've not been feeling great, we're probably going to like experience some sort of change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we correlate that with what we're, we are eating, I guess, and that. And kind of back to the productivity, it's like the body ultimately loves homeostasis. So mm-hmm. maybe we go for a, from a place of non-homeostasis to some homeostasis on this diet, but then we can go off that tipping point as well mm-hmm. the longer we continue because there's not the balance still that is there. Yeah, absolutely. So something I'm curious about is, you know, you mentioned eating disorders and disordered eating. And I think, you know, those things can really come up without us even realizing it. Like it may not be where it's like you are to the the degree where you have treatment or need need treatment, but you also have a really funky relationship with food, as you mentioned, like you view something like that, like a whole food group, like dairy or something as like the devil. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that that can happen really quickly when you start getting, getting into the, and I, I, I say that from experience, like I've gone through these really extreme seasons of restriction and what started as, oh, this is something I'm going to do for a couple months to like kind of clean up my gut and reset turned into a lifestyle for, you know, it's like I was on Whole30 or something for like a year. And 
while there's benefits to that, I was missing out on some really key nutrients. And I once I finally did some testing and realized like, oh, my calcium's super low and this is super low and my iodine, like this explains so much, you know? And I think that it's interesting because because of the confusion around, well, what really is considered health and what's a health food and all of that, it I think it, people can find themselves stumbling into a pattern of disordered eating without intending to get there. And I'm curious if you have a thought on that, but I really want to know like, how big is this issue really? This idea or this concept of disordered eating and or full-blown eating disorder? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, food is life. Like without food, we don't have life. Mm -hmm. And so everyone has a relationship with food in some degree. And so I call it like the psychology of eating. Mm -hmm. And I think like without even putting labels on it, like it is a big pervasive issue in both ends of the spectrum. And it doesn't always reflect or have to reflect in weight, but we do know we are in a chronic disease epidemic that is a lifestyle-induced epidemic. And so, and since food is what we're putting in the gas tank every single day, Mm -hmm. like something is in the water. And I don't think it's even intentional. It's not, I don't think everyone is uh, overeating, say, or like just standard American diet either. Like I think people generally want to be healthy and are trying Mm -hmm. to be healthy and there's not, there's just a confusion, but we also know like from a brain chemistry perspective, for example, like how we eat impacts our, how we think mm-hmm. as well, like our, our cravings and everything. And then how we also impacts our gut microbiome, which is going to impact like our food choices and how we think and feel as well. So if we feel like more anxious or if we have cravings for say chocolate all the time, or mm-hmm. we hate vegetables for another example, like that's oftentimes related to the gut microbiome mm-hmm. and how the gut is shaped is by our foods initially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like a dog chasing its tail, I think is what mm-hmm. it becomes. And I think to put a stat on it, it's difficult, but it's knowing that like at least 60% of people have a diagnosed um, chronic illness. of people are metabolically unhealthy Hmm. and metabolically, uh, I mean, that would be deprived or derived rather from the food we're eating and then the toxins in our environment. And a lot of times they are also related Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's a lot of toxicity in our food supply. Um, Hence why we all probably know a 90 year old uncle Joe who like ate spam on white bread every day Mm -hmm. and smoked cigarettes and lived like a full Mm -hmm. life. Um, whereas like pristine and clean 29 year old Lauren is diagnosed with 10 different chronic illnesses and Mm -hmm. she's doing all the things. So to kind of just show like health is an inside job and it has changed over time. Mm -hmm. And that also can play a role in our, just like, again, how the gut and the brain are interacted, interact, um, how we think and operate with our food as well. Yeah. Is it true that they say, don't they say something like three and four women struggle with some form of disordered eating or did I make that up? Yeah. No, that's not made up. And I would say like, especially during the year, like the um, college years, it's Mm. quite common. I just like reflect back on my own college experience. It's like, we all had an eating disorder in my like dorm environment Mm. and no one was talking about it, just disordered eating. Mm -hmm. But, and there's something called tray gazing that happens at that age where you're just comparing yourself to everyone, including what you're eating because you're around people all the time now. Mm eating food. So I see that quite common. And then beyond that, like, yeah, three and four, just the disordered eating, not even a diagnosed eating disorder. And I think taking the stigma down about that and just being really reflective of, you know, like, is this like healthy for me? Like, how am I eating? Like genuinely healthy, like how I'm thinking about food. And I would say uh, it's quite common with Mm -hmm especially women. I will say though, guys as well, it's becoming like more of a thing, at least here in like 
I know Austin, I'm living in a very metropolitan city and there's a lot of like health culture here. Mm-hmm. And I would say diet culture in that degree where there's like a lot of dogma right now I see happening, especially with like, with carbs <laughs> amongst a lot of my male friends. And I don't know if it's healthy for just mm-hmm. mentally um, because I do on the back end have a lot of conversations with males and they're not feeling the best still. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted to live a little bit more of a natural and holistic lifestyle for the sake of your well-being and your family's well-being, as well as to be a little bit more self-sustaining, but just felt really confused on where to start, especially if you can't just like up and move to a farm tomorrow? Look, when I first started my holistic wellness journey, I remember I felt so overwhelmed. There's so much information all over the internet nowadays, and it's so hard to discern and to know which brands are truly clean and how do I source food locally and where do I even begin with all this stuff, especially if I have a busy life and I live maybe in an apartment or a suburban life or I just don't have like goats in my backyard to go milk, you know, like how, how do I do this? And, um, it can be really overwhelming. So what I did is I wanted to take the guesswork out of it for you because I think one of the biggest things that holds so many of us back is not only the financial side of it and the worry that it's going to be more expensive, but also the time. Most of us don't have months or years to invest in researching and reading labels and figuring out how to do that and doing all this research on our own. So we just don't and we kind of get stuck. So what I wanted to do is create a quick start guide for you. And it's called the Lifestyle Overhaul Guide. It is a step-by-step quick start guide to living a more natural and sustainable life. And it is laid out in a step-by-step format. It covers everything from budgeting for these changes to really reducing stress and creating a more sustainable schedule and lifestyle in terms of your time to cleaning up the products in your home and reducing your toxin burden, how to really start with that and what to prioritize and how to do that in a budget-friendly way to sourcing more food locally, shortening your supply chain, being less reliant on the grocery store and big food systems, and starting to really use the resources in your local community. I'm giving you all the best resources on how to find those things, how to source those things, and how to get started right where you are. So if that sounds like something you need, you can tap the link in the show notes on this episode, or just go to jordanleedooley.com slash lifestyle dash overhaul to check out all the details and grab yourself a copy. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) 
Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Well, kind of the follow-up question I wanted to ask to that is, you know, even in the pursuit of health and trying to be healthy and support our bodies, not restrict them, but sometimes it turns into that, we can easily become too obsessive, restrictive, or miserable to the point where our pursuit of health actually becomes really unhealthy, either mentally, physically, or both. Can you share how you've seen this in your own practice and explain the difference between healthy eating and what you said um, earlier, I think you said it was called orthorexia, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So can you explain the difference and how we can really distinguish between am I just pursuing healthy eating or is it maybe slipping into this orthorexia? Yeah, I think it's really a heart and a gut check personally of like, you know, our posture and our freedom with food. Mm -hmm. So like orthorexia would be like really either fear of how food's going to make me feel or it is just like fear of falling off of whatever my diet plan is or what my container is of the Mm -hmm. foods that I eat. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily related to fear of getting fat or like physically on the outside, like what I look like. Mm -hmm. It can be related to control or Mm -hmm. lack thereof and seeking that through food. Food is always a metaphor. I would say 90% of the time, at least, (laughs) food is a metaphor, the way we eat and what we decide to eat Mm -hmm. of like how we feel inside too. And so if I'm feeling out of control in other areas of my life or I have in the past, I may turn to like, say a ketogenic diet list and like it's super easy and helps me feel dialed in Mm -hmm. and if I stray from that then I may get anxiety Mm -hmm. that occurs Mm -hmm. from that Uh, whereas healthy eating from a genuine perspective is like knowing I do want to put good things into my tank and Mm -hmm. like I know I generally feel better like energetically Mm -hmm. and like gut wise hormonally wise just balanced and if I quote-unquote slip up or like go on a vacation and or I go to a restaurant and they serve something in an oil that I don't typically eat. Mm-hmm. I'm not like just so distraught about it internally or in my mind about it. I can move on. I call it 80, 20 balance. Like 80% of the time I eat real whole foods. 20% of the time I let life happen mm-hmm. and big believer in the hygiene hypothesis. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've heard of that from an immune perspective, mm-hmm. but it's the cleaner we are, the sicker we become. Mm. So if you're a bubble boy mm-hmm. and you like are never exposed to germs and you get sicker out of the bubble. Mm-hmm. But I 
I find that still the same thing within food, as I mentioned, with like my patients that are eating the cleanest, but are the sickest. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the cleaner we are, like either we stay sick um, or just not feeling optimal. Mm -hmm. Well, so I think a little dirt never hurt mentality can Mm -hmm. be really healthy. And if we're able to adopt that, share that, I would say that is being able to live in the world, not necessarily always of the world, mm-hmm. of the world yeah. perspective with yeah. food. Yeah, that's so good. I, I love that kind of immune comparison you gave because it's true. And I find that just as I reflect on my own journey, you know, it's like I like I mentioned, I walked through a season where I was being super restrictive because I just wanted to solve whatever was going wrong. And it was interesting because for a little while there, I saw some improvement, but then it was like I regressed, like it wasn't actually solving everything because I was so restrictive that I was having such a minimal variety of food and nutrients and probably nutrient deficient in areas I didn't realize because I had started to label all of these food groups as bad, whether that was carbs or dairy or whatever. And um, once I started to add those things back in and even kind of relax about like, hey, if I go to a restaurant and I happen to get, you know, a little bit of gluten or an oil I don't normally eat or whatever, it's not the end of the world. Once I kind of started to shift into that mindset, I started to notice, ironically, my skin was clearing up, I was having more energy. And it was like, it was like I had found the right, like the 80-20 balance because before I wasn't paying attention to that stuff at all. So my body was probably overloaded. But then it got to the point where I was so restrictive on the, it was like the other end of the spectrum, so extreme and restriction that my, like kind of what you said, like living in a little bubble. So the second I had any type of little exposure to something, my body was like, ah, what the heck, you know? Um, So yeah, I think that there is so much truth to that 80-20 rule. And when you can start to like shift into that, you're gonna live well, like you're just gonna enjoy your life more. And probably not only be more physically healthy, and your body's gonna be able to handle more, but also more mentally healthy. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah, kind of you saying that just wanted to shed light on just how much our mindset and again, our our posture can really affect like how our body works too. like, as far as our digestion or our metabolism, how we feel when we eat foods that may not even be 100% pristine. And I think like the milkshake study is a great example of this, where researchers took two groups of people and they gave them a milkshake. One group got the Sensa shake, 140 calorie milkshake. And then the other group got the indulgent shake, a 600 calorie milkshake. And in actuality, both got the exact same milkshake, which was a 300 calorie shake. Hmm. And they, the researchers wanted to see what to their metabolism so you got brain access. And what they found was the Sensa Shake dieters, they had a three times increase in their hunger hormones and their body was in deprivation, like dieting mode. So their metabolism slowed down. Hmm. Whereas the other group, the indulgent shake folks were like, oh, earned it. We got to do this. Like they enjoy, enjoyed the milkshake, one and done, nourished, satisfied, healthy metabolic response. Mm. And just kind of showing how stress in our mind that can change physiology. And um, I found too, like even within food intolerances, this to be really off the charts. And mm. some work, a, a lot of the work that I've been doing with folks around food intolerances is kind of just overcoming like, what are the beliefs around food that they may not even be aware of, like that their body is seeing that food. Mm. So for example, like say we have little Johnny and he's seven years old and he eats a PB and J sandwich every single day for lunch mm-hmm. and he loves it. And then one day, like all of this out of the blue, seemingly he's to experience like eczema, rashes and digestive distress. And so oh, he must have a gluten and peanut intolerance is what it's worked up. But like come to find out just a few weeks earlier, little Johnny had witnessed his parents having an all out fight that led to their divorce. And mm-hmm. At the time, he was eating his PB&J sandwich. Mm-hmm. So the brain sees game, set, match and can begin to parallel stress in our lives 
with the foods maybe we eat in a season or not with stress as well. And so I'm doing a lot of work with people with tangling those layers to be able to have more food freedom. And I found that to be the case in my own health as well. When I was eating the five to 10 foods, it's like, actually, I started becoming reactive to like almonds and broccoli Mm -hmm. and sweet potatoes. And um, come to find out, like those were foods I kind of abused or like used in my eating disorder days where it's like sweet potatoes, I had to earn those or almonds, Mm -hmm. I would carefully count those out broccoli, like I lived on, but these were all like a state of stress mm-hmm. where these foods were related. So fast forward 10 years later, or almost 10 years later, when I don't have the eating disorder anymore, but my body's reacting to all these foods, it made sense just kind of how the psyche at a brain level, reptilian brain can see and parallel the two. Wow. That is so wild. That is the most yeah. interesting thing. Wow. Okay. So then Similar, like kind of in that same, on that same token, I'm curious what role food freedom and balance play in our health journey and what does it look like to eat healthy without being too restrictive? Like how can this, how can we apply some of this research and information in practice? Yeah. I mean, I think the health, like a healthy uh, relationship with food slash food freedom is like a super key to health because again, Mm -hmm. back to how elimination diets, like they're really not working very well. Mm-hmm. They can be helpful for a season. Mm-hmm. And it's a, back to the cleaner we are, the sicker we can become. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the more stress we become. So mm-hmm. I think leaning into that food freedom, I have a girl, uh, I was texting with a patient the other day and we had worked on, uh, I guess she just was like, Lauren, I want to expand my diet and eat peanut butter and oatmeal together. Like mm-hmm. sounds delicious for mm-hmm. breakfast. And <laughs> she hadn't done that for years. And we just were working through like, what were her belief systems and like the stresses related to these foods. And she had recalled at age 14, her dad saying like, carbs make you fat for one. And then there was something also related to peanut butter at that time. Mm-hmm. These, she downloaded these um, and, mm-hmm. and not, not having eating disorder in her thirties now, mm-hmm. but it's like, she was not reacting to those until we like identified the trigger mm-hmm. or like what was causing it. And now she's eating that for breakfast and incorporating it just fine. And so I think, and this is a girl that struggled with a lot of like chronic health issues that seemingly like has been told you know, diet and supplements are the keys. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to see diet and supplements as like the bumper leads mm-hmm. for health. So like, let's guide the body to health and wellness. Cause we know generally what healthy eating principles are mm-hmm. compared to like processed foods, like just general balance, mm-hmm. protein, fat, fiber, like our carbs, like those are three macronutrients that if you look at any science book from the beginning of time, or like how God created the earth, plants mm-hmm. and animals on the earth, like it's just really from the beginning of time, humans have been eating these things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's simpler than I think we think. So yeah. I think just com- less complication mm-hmm. is a big piece of the puzzle. And also if we look at like the blue zones, mm-hmm. like where people live the longest and they are the healthiest, like really what they find is like three of those variables is related to community mm-hmm. and connection, like humans being nutrients and like other factors outside of just diet alone. Yeah, so I believe that. Yeah, I totally believe that. Okay. Something else speaking of that is I'm curious how dieting and overexercise, like what do those things do to the gut microbiome and hormones? Because you mentioned that as part of your story. And I think this is something that can be really hard to wrap your mind around and don't fully understand. And you mentioned the gut-brain connection. So it's like all of this is interlinked and can affect your stress, your mental health, all of that. But specifically with dieting and overexercise, how did those affect our hormones and our microbiome? 
Yeah, tremendously and great question. So if you can think about like a famine happening Mm. or a drought, like what happens to the land? It's like kind of becomes a wasteland. And I think the same can happen with dieting or restricting food for, uh, we shape the gut microbiome by like what we eat or what we don't eat. So we can starve out certain gut bugs. I see this even with a lot of like intermittent fasting or just long-term fasting Mm -hmm. is it's just like, if we're not fueling the tank, we are going to quote unquote kill off gut bugs Mm -hmm. and like D less diversity is going to be present. And Mm -hmm. what we know from the research is a more diverse microbiome is connected to better health overall. Mm -hmm. Like our, our ancestors had 50% almost more healthy gut bugs than we do today. And so, and then over-exercise works similarly. Like if you can imagine stomp, stomp, stomp on an anthill, uh-huh. like you are crushing those ants, right? And so it's like exercise, like that oxidative stress that's created can crush our gut bugs too, mm-hmm. or just kind of like create um, an imbalance in the biome, kind of like if a little bomb happens in the gut and talking to the queen of over-exercise here, they... I think statistically, it's like 70 to 90%, something in the upper range Mm -hmm. that like um, long distance marathon runners typically are going to have like a functional gut disorder from just like that intensity of training and Mm -hmm. just like that chronicity of training. Mm -hmm. And we can see this in just like, on like health is an inside job, but it also can be reflective on the outside as well. So like uh, comparing maybe like a, a high level ultra marathoner to someone that is like more of like a sprinter working in that just like quick steady state like the body types are a bit different like not as stringy or seemingly run down Mm -hmm. is what I would visualize more that um just chronic marathon runner and it's awesome like they're doing this like great feat like there is I know a whole nother component outside perhaps just Mm -hmm. health that they're competing but it just kind of like is reflective as well as like you know how is this healthy for the body right yeah. Wow. Okay. That's I've, I'm like digesting everything that you're saying. Cause it's yeah. like, I, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think we kind of all can intuitively know some of this, you know, but then when you start digging into like how, like the details of like, here's how it's actually affected and here's what, what you're really doing, like that chronic stress. And I don't think, I think this is what's tough is like, some of us don't always think of like intense exercise or, or anything like that as a stressor to the body, because sometimes we exercise to relieve stress, right? Exactly. But the over-exercising can create such a stressful environment in our body and create like that dis- that imbalance and that dysfunction um, when it's when it's not done in a way that's really sustainable. So I appreciate you kind of yeah. unpacking that a bit, because I think that's really important to understand. Totally. And and just like over-exercise looks different for every body. Mm -hmm. Like again, no bodies are all created equal. And so like our threshold of exercise for one, as well as, you know, intensity, frequency, or duration is going to define over-exercise. Like one of those variables could be off. So if I'm like duration-wise going for eight hours, Mm -hmm. that's one, but maybe it's like frequency. Maybe I'm exercising every day and my body, I haven't built up the reserves or the capacity capacity to do that like that for another could be like what's overturning another it's intensity like I'm doing CrossFit every single day and I'm going at full throttle Mm -hmm. or 80 percent kind of my VO2 max so Mm -hmm. it's going to be unique of like what is that threshold and what does define overtraining Mm -hmm. but to just be kind of like curious in your own relationship with exercise because you're right it's very much it is a healthy thing, but that what is productive can also become counterproductive. It's like we want that Goldilocks sweet spot. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I so true. Great. Okay. So I have one more question that I want to wrap up with because I think this is important in context of what we're talking about. I'm curious what advice you would have for those who think about food and fitness and their body a lot. Like if it just is kind of what takes over their mind, what's the first step to take if someone thinks they may have an unhealthy mindset or relationship with food or their body? Yeah. I mean, I think awareness is king first. Like what you're saying is just like, it's kind of like when we turn, if we're standing in the ocean and a wave keeps hitting us from behind, like we're just being in it, Mm -hmm. we keep falling forward versus when we turn to face the wave, stake in the ground, like we're able to see, we stand stronger. Mm -hmm. So I think that in and of itself is to just become curious and to just like really reflect, even as you're listening right now, like, what is my relationship like with food? Like how much am I thinking about food compared to maybe a time when you didn't think about it as much? And maybe a lot of folks are just like, I don't remember the last time, like it's been since I was five years old, Mm -hmm. I thought this way. And so perhaps like just conversations or listening into things like this can be like really just like peeling back an onion layer in that Mm -hmm. way. And then, I mean, talking about it, I think can always be helpful to just kind of like from with a health professional that gets it Mm -hmm. um, can be really affirming. Um, and I would say like, yeah, definitely doing your due diligence research with who, who it is you talk to. Mm-hmm. There's also really like some, several great books out there. Like I did write the eating healthy is killing you book. And one of my favorite resources to recommend to my clients. So it's called eating in light of the moon. Hmm. It's great on audible and it is written by, I think she's a psychologist, but it's, about just, I was saying how food is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like what is the metaphor that my relationship with food is really trying to tell me is mm-hmm. a great check-in question. And I think that can like begin just this process of like becoming aware is going to be a huge catalyst for healing from whatever it is. It's like, mm-hmm. we talk about getting to the root cause in functional medicine mm-hmm. as becoming aware of what's causing how we feel versus just band-aiding the symptoms, like, uh, and go, calling it a day with that's, how conventional medicine may approach Mm -hmm. disease Mm -hmm. is like, what's the pill for the ill versus like what is causing this? Mm -hmm. And like, let's really address what is the cause of this. Mm -hmm. And so I think the same thing can work in the relationship with food. It's just like, what is causing this or what has been a trigger? Something I would just like also encourage people to reflect upon from like a gut brain connection. Mm -hmm. What I have found is a lot of times funky relationships with food, eating disorders or disordered eating can be related to something I call an indigestible conflict in our life. Mm. Like something we can't swallow, digest, break down or eliminate like figuratively. Mm. And like, so what in my life, like whether it's current or like former Mm -hmm. has really preceded this um, relationship or these, these thoughts, like where in the line did that sand draw? So Mm. like I was 10 years old with a girl on the playground telling me I was fat is really when I remember like that, like relationship with food or funky relationship with food starting. And it stemmed from a, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like I could not digest or swallow that, that, that comment. Mm-hmm. And it, it may be a comment and maybe just a hat fitting in your life, mm-hmm. um, an experience like a parent's divorce or the loss of someone mm-hmm. or a, being bullied on the playground. Mm-hmm. But to kind of just reflect like what in my life if anything, has, has been an indigestible conflict mm-hmm. or conflicts mm-hmm. that maybe preceded 
pounding the amount of food now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I think it's so crucial to, I think that we always want to know, like, what do I do? What do I, how do I fix it? And it's like, well, you really can't do much until you really become aware and understand where something is even coming from. That's like step one to tackling it. So I would, yeah, I think that's great encouragement and great advice. Okay. This has been so good. I feel like I could ask you a thousand more questions. This is something (laughs) I love to nerd out about, but um, for the sake of time, I'd love if you can share uh, where our listeners can learn more from you and where they can get your book and your, I think you have an upcoming book, any resources you have, where can they find it all? Yeah, definitely. The the best place is over at my website, drlauren.com. And it's just Lauren spelled with a Y. So D-R-L-A-U-R-Y-N.com. And that is my handle on social media as well. Um, most active on Instagram. And then book-wise, Amazon is probably going to be the, the best place to go find Eating Healthy is Killing You. And then my new book, Total Gut Reset, um, which will be also parallel with my Total Gut Reset company that is launching in spring as well. Awesome. You guys go check out her resources. Super helpful. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all that you've shared and for the work that you do. It is a blessing so many. And I know that this has been a blessing to me and I really truly believe it'll be a blessing to all those who listen. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your work, Jordan. You're seriously a blessing to so many as well, bringing insights um, to so many in your audience. Oh, thank you. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. (laughs) 